forest pasturing. I have to go through all of that all the time. But I'm going to tell you something I've learned to do in all of those situations. I've learned to praise God regardless of what's going on. And that's something that I want to encourage you through this month, that we can come to the point of realizing that Thanksgiving is not just a one-month thing. I've noticed on Facebook, and I think it's a good thing, there's people that are, that are taking every day of this month and they're being thankful for something. And I think that's good. I, I, re- I mean, you know, if you're not doing anything more than that, at least do that. But we need to let it be an everyday kind of thing. And that's the reason we've been titled this sermon series, Giving Thanks Always. Giving Thanks Always. Because this is what the Word of God encourages. And, if, and I got that like I shared last Sunday. I got that right out of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. In Ephesians 5, 20, it says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. We need to be a people of thanksgiving 365 days of the year. And then... The scripture that gave me a problem last week, I've got it located, and I know exactly where it's at this week. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I mean, we tried to go to 2 Peter. We tried to go to verse 19. We tried. But anyway, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. But you, now that's talking about every one of you here, you are a chosen generation. Now, you know, let's think about that for just a moment right there. You are chosen. God chose you. You say, well, you mean He chose me above all the people of the earth? No, He chose you with all the people of the earth. But when it comes down to just you individually, God chose you. I am a chosen vessel. I am a chosen, I am part of a chosen generation. And I believe this is the generation He's talking about a generation that will rise up and carry on the tabernacle of David, which was built upon praise, and that we'll be a people of praise and worship and thanksgiving to Almighty God. So listen to what he said. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Hey, won't you take your finger and hold it up like this right here? Come on now, humor me in this. And take that finger and point it right back like this right here and say, you are royalty. Now, take it and point it to the person sitting beside you. It don't matter which side. You've got two of them. If there's one on either side, just do it both ways. And tell them, you are royalty. See, we are chosen and we are royalty. We are children of the king, the king of kings, a royal priesthood, and, and we're a holy nation. I'm not too holy. Hey, he's not talking about your actions. He's talking about your position before him, okay? Now, our position before Him of being righteous and complete ought to cause us and move us to practice holiness in our life even more and more. His own special people. No King James says a peculiar people. And we've always had a different opinion about what peculiar meant. We thought peculiar meant strange. Boy, he sure is a peculiar old bird, ain't he? You ever heard that said about somebody? You may have said it about me, but that's okay. Because peculiar means actually comes to mean special. Special. We are a special purchase. 
of Almighty God. He, he bought us. He purchased us with the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And it makes us special. So, we are a special people, God's own special people, for a purpose. That you may proclaim the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now, I'm going to add one more scripture to that this morning. It's in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Therefore, by Him, that is by Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Now here we see praise and thanksgiving connected so closely together. Let's offer Him the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. Do you know Do you know your lips can only praise Him when your heart's doing it? Back in that Scripture we read to begin with in Ephesians chapter 5, before that, it talks about being filled with the Spirit, not with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and then that we are to, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord, making melody in our heart. So when our heart is thanking Him, our lips are going to begin to do that. So true praise is going to come out of our lips. You know, you can do a study of the word praise throughout the Bible, and it's never silent. There's always vocal. There's always actions. There's always things involved with it. So you, you can't go along and say, well, now I'm just silent praise, right? No, you're not. Praise is always going to be vocal, and sometimes it's even going to be demonstrative, like what Brother Baxter's talking about David there. He was praising the Lord and dancing before the Lord. Uh, Pastor, we don't dance before the Lord. You know, we don't. That is not what we do. Worldliness. No. Listen. When you get out here and dance to ZZ Top, I don't know who, who's popular nowadays. Shows how far back I am, don't it? They was, they was playing. They was, I tell you, I tell them, the reason I go to football games is not to watch a football game, but so I can listen to that loud rock and roll music and nobody will think nothing about the preacher listening to it. But they were playing Louie Louie the other night over there. And I told some of them, I said, that song been around for a long time. I said, uh, I think about 1965 <laughs> and 66. But anyway... That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that is a praise and a glory to Almighty God when we're willing to just abandon ourselves a little while and praise the Lord that way. Now, and there's different things. I'm not saying you've got to get up and run around and dance and jump and shout and holler to be praising the Lord. There's a lot of folks that does that and there ain't no more praise to it than they are out there in that parking lot, okay? Matter of fact, those rocks and that asphalt in the parking lot can do more in praising God than some of that can. But I'm telling you this, folks, praise is going to be more than just, there's going to be some, there's going to be some time that that heart is going to bubble over and there's going to be some words come out of your mouth that's going to sound something like, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Some words that are going to come out and we're, that is a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, that we're giving thanks to Almighty God. Now, what I want to talk about today, is, as I mentioned earlier, I want to talk about how that regardless of what's going on, we need to learn to praise God. 
We need to be willing to praise Him at any time and in every situation. And there's about three, three different incidences in the Bible that I want to talk about here for the next bit. And I almost said a few minutes, but I don't know if it'll be a few minutes. And then I almost said, so I'll just say for the next while, and, uh, and we'll go at it that way. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 2. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, we find the praise that Hannah gave to God in, in her situation. Now, I'm going to tell you, one of my very top favorite all-time movies, and this may shock you, is not a John Wayne movie. Probably the top of everything is the movie Facing the Giants. Every time I watch that movie, I get inspired about something. I, I mean, you know, that, that scene where that boy does that death crawl and he just keeps going and going and going and going. Just ask just a minute. No, no, listen. That's a fact of life. There's never any time that we can quit. And if we'll make up our mind that we're going to do it, we can do it regardless, regardless of the situation. But that's, that's not the, the, there's another scene in that. See, they came and they had revival at this school where this movie was made about. And the students began to have revival. It spelt over into the, to the faculty and then to the parents in the community. And the whole football team, practically the whole football team, got saved. And I never forget a scene in that, in that locker room that that coach stood before those boys and he said, Boys, or men he called them, if we win... We're going to praise God. If we lose, we're going to praise God. Win or lose, we're going to praise God. And, and folks, that's the way that our life needs to be. We need to determine, Lord, regardless of what's going on, if it's bad, I'm going to praise you. If it's good, I'm going to praise you. Good or bad, Lord, I'm going to praise you and give you praise and thanksgiving in my life. See, we we got to, we got to do that way. And I believe that this prayer of thanksgiving of Hannah to God, that she, it came from a heart that was this way. You see, if you go back up in chapter 1 of that, you'll find that Hannah was one of two wives, and that's something I don't recommend, guys, but that she was one of two guys, uh, of two wives of this guy named Elkanah. And Elkanah had a wife named Piana, and then Hannah. He was hung up on that Hannah deal. <laughs> so, so anyway, Hannah had several children. Hannah wasn't able to have children, and it was it was a shame and an embarrassment to her. It made her feel like less than a woman because she couldn't have children. So she one night they had come to Jerusalem to the temple to give their sacrifice to God and and. Uh, she just broke down in supper. She couldn't take it any longer. And she got up and she went into the tabernacle. She went into this holy place and got down on her knees and began to pray and call out to God. I mean, just cried tears. And she was there and her heart was broken and she was calling out to God. Her lips was moving, but there was no sound coming from her. She was in such contrition that her prayer was in her. But you know, I really believe that Hannah had this kind of attitude that I'm talking about. She came before God not to make a deal with God. 
See, a lot of folks want to try to make a deal with God. God's not in the dealing business. Y'all understand that, don't you? Now, He'll trade with you. He'll trade His righteousness for your sin. He'll trade His sickness or your, His healing for your sickness and pain. He'll trade your weakness and give you strength, His strength. He'll trade His uh, riches for your poverty. Whatever you need, He can give you that. But He's not going to make a deal with it. We need to understand. And, and I don't believe that's what Hannah was doing here. Hannah said to God in her time of praying, God, you see me? I go without a child. I don't have a child. But if you bless me with a child, here's what I'm going to do. Now, she never once said, Lord, if you bless me, I'll give him to you. But if you don't, I'm not going to serve you anymore. She said, Lord... If you bless me with a child, I'm going to be so grateful in this thing that I'm going to give that child back to you. She made a vow. She made a commitment to God. You know, there's been a lot of times that I've seen people over the years in pastoring that they come, they make a commitment to God. And I know uh, in our time, I was reading an article last night about preaching nowadays, and they said that there's a couple of things that you don't preach on, and one of them is commitment. People don't want to hear that commitment. And because it means different things to different people in different ways. But you know, chances are there's all of us has made a vow or a time of commitment to some way before God. I mean, we may have said, Lord, I mean, not in making a, trying to make a deal or anything, but, but we'd say, I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to start reading my Bible every day. I'm going to start praying every day. I, I, I'm not going to just do it when we pray, have supper or, or something like that. I'm going, to, I'm going to begin to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to have a time with the Lord when it's just me and Him. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that every day. Or I'm going to get more involved in church. I've heard folks say, that, well, just let me get through this, and I'm going to be more involved in church. And they get through that, and you don't see them at church. I don't know. Maybe they're involved somewhere else. If they are, that's okay. And uh, or people will say, they'll, they'll come before God, and they'll say, I'm going to start tithing. And then they just seem like they give less and less. And now, folks, what I'm telling you is this. When we make a commitment to God, it's not for the purpose of making a deal. Let me tell you, when, just, I'm just going to use tithing, for example. When, when we made the commitment to tithe, there was no deal involved in that. We just said, God, we see this in your word, and this is what we're going to start doing. Folks, that was in 1980 when we made that commitment. And you, you think, well, man, just think of all the money that you've given to, to the church since 1980. Just think, I don't want to think of it. I, why? Because I'm thinking of the blessing that he's given back. But I'm going to tell you, if I never see another thing financially in my life, I'm going to continue to do it because it's a commitment that I made to God, and I want to be able to give Him praise and thanksgiving in the joy of fulfilling my commitment to Him. Whether it's going to church, whether it's getting up every day and reading my Bible, whether it's praying more, spending time with Him, witnessing to somebody. I mean, a lot of times people say, well, well, well Father, if, if you'll just show me, I'll witness to somebody today. Have you ever had that? I don't know if you've ever done that kind of thing or not, but I have. And you witness, and you and you go off over here, you know, and you, or, or you say to God, "Well, God, 
I'll witness. If you'll just show me somebody, I'll witness. Well, you go on, you go to work, you go, you go out shopping, you go somewhere, and, and somebody will catch your attention. And you just feel in your heart, hmm, I need to say something to that person. I need to say something to them. But so many times we don't, but sometimes we do. And have you ever experienced when we fulfill something like that, the joy that comes from it? Folks, that's time for giving thanks to Almighty God and, and praising Him for it. And that's what Hannah did in First uh, Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, now this was, listen, you've got to understand this now. She had this child. He got old enough. And she brought him back to the, to the temple, to the holy place, and gave him to Eli and said, this is what I had said to God that I would do. When he gave me a child, I told him, Lord, I'll give him back to you. Now, she had just given this child, her only son, to this man of God. And and as she was walking away, here's her prayer. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. I mean, she had already done this. She had given it, sacrificed, given it to God, given this child to God. And let me tell you, let me show you how God is. When people will do before the Lord what they say they'll do, then and they do it with thanksgiving, she went back home and had three, uh, two Three more sons and two daughters after that. I'd say God paid her pretty good, wouldn't you? Plus, not only that, but from her came one of the most powerful prophets and leaders that Israel has ever known. He was the one that anointed David to be king. So, folks, I'm telling you, when we'll not give up, when we'll not turn aside, the blessing of God's going to be there in a tremendous way. I don't know if Psalms 30 was written for Hannah or not. But I want to, I want to just look at that uh, for a few minutes here. Psalms 30, beginning in verse 1, verses 1 through 12. Listen to what it said. Now, I could, when I read this, I thought, man, that's Hannah up and down. And I've known people in my day and time that this is them. Listen to what it said. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. Her foe was... Elkanah's other wife that was always making fun of her and putting her down. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Think about that. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, see, she went through a time of weeping. And we've all gone through those things. We've gone through the times of problems and circumstances and times that we cried over things. But I'm here to tell you, folks, when we'll turn that thing to God and begin to have a heart of praise and thanksgiving to Him, joy is definitely going to come and it's going to be seen. Now, in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. See, she was more secure in what she believed after than she was before. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. I cried to you, O Lord, and the Lord, I, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood? When I go down to the pit, will the 
does praise you, will I declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise unto you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if that was written for Hannah or not, or she was even in the mind of David when he wrote that. But folks, it sure fits her situation completely. Think about that. And it fits our situation too. Many times that God has come and showed up for us. God has brought situations to, to an end in our life. He's given us strength to move on from those things. And there, you may have gone through and may be in a time right now that's like unto weeping in the night season. And I'm here to tell you that when you're determined, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you if I come out of this thing. But, Father, if I carry this to my grave, I am going to praise you, and I am going to thank you, and you're going to give me strength. You're going to help me. You're going to help me overcome this because I'm going to praise you. You're my rock. You're my salvation. But, folks, I believe that when we get that attitude, that that thing will begin to turn, and we'll see it all together different. Another person I want to talk about that is David. Many of the Psalms of David that he wrote were written in times of trouble. Even when he was pursued and his life was threatened. Now there were some of those times, as you read the Psalms, you'll see that David said things, Lord, like gouge out, gouge out their eyes, uh, put a hook in their jaw, break their nose. May they stumble and fall and their head bust open. See, that's the kind of prayers that we want to pray sometimes about people, isn't it? Now, come on, be honest with me. You know, Lord, could you just not just knock him in the head? <laughs> right. <laughs> Boy, the whole lot of stuff goes through your mind like that, don't it? But if you'll read it, you see in those Psalms, don't just read that verse out of that Psalm, but keep reading it because you'll see where that, that David would go through a process and the Spirit of God would begin to turn his heart away from that kind of thing. David went through all kinds of problems. I mean, sure, he was a giant killer. Sure, he was a lion and a bear killer. Sure, he was a top soldier in Israel. But for, for many years, Almost 20 years, David stayed on the run because Saul was determined to kill him. Saul was determined to end his life. And not only that, the Philistines were against him because he had killed their champion. So many things in his life that had gone on. But David said things like we find in Psalms 34, verse 1, where he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. I'll bless him. When I'm in the king's court and he likes me, and I'll bless him when I'm having to dodge the king's spear. I'll bless him whenever I go before King Abimelech and I do things and they think I'm crazy and they run me off. I'll bless the Lord that regardless of what's going on, that, that it makes no difference. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, you know, I, I've come to realize that that's probably one of the, the best cures for being negative. Folks, we live in a negative society. We, you know, it's negative all around. Always, all the time. There's things that we can find fault in and find problems in and it be a negative situation. 
And we can get this way about ourselves. I mean, we can, we can be negative on ourselves and say, I ain't never going to amount to anything. That's negative. But if you'll begin to turn that around and say, Father, I thank you that I'm your child. I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. And that means I amounts to something. Amen? Y'all here today? Y'all got to help me out now. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, he said that whenever he got kicked out from Abimelech because they thought he was crazy. Of course, he did that on his own. But then... In Psalms 57, verses 5 through 11, he says, Now, Psalms 57 is when, not Hines 57 now, Psalms 57 is when David had went, had left the Philistines, King Abimelech, and had gone into the cave, and there had come to him all of these people. He ended up with 400 soldiers that was either in debt, distressed, or discontent. You can read that in 1 Samuel chapter 22. They were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discontent. Now, what kind of army can you make out of that? That'd be tough to deal with, wouldn't it? But David began to teach him. He began to help him. He began to impart some things to him. And Psalms 57 was written right inside that very cave. And listen to what he said in front of those men. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me, and to the midst of it they themselves have fallen. My heart is steadfast. Oh, God, my heart is steadfast. I'm fixed. This is where I stand. This is what I believe, and I'm not going to turn any other way. And listen to what he said. I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory. Awake lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens, and your truth under the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Now that's David's song. That's his song of praise. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of problems, in the midst of circumstances. And then when he's on the run from Saul in Psalm 63, he says, Because your loving kindness is better than life. He wrote this in the wilderness. My lips shall praise you, thus will I bless you. I will lift up my hand in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with mar and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Now, he's on the run from Saul. He's in the wilderness. How do you handle wilderness times, dry times, difficult times? You do it by beginning to praise God. You do it by, by thanking Him and magnifying Him. Not that you're in, Lord, I thank you I'm in the wilderness. No, no, no. Lord, I'm in the wilderness just like He didn't know I'm there, Okay. But, Lord, here I am in the wilderness. I'm going to praise you in the wilderness. I'm going to praise you in the desert. I'm going to praise you in the valley, just like I am on the mountaintops. You know, I hadn't said this for a good long while, but let me tell you today. Everybody's going to go through a valley. Understand there's valleys. And a valley is like a wilderness. And over here is a mountain. We got up here, and we was doing pretty good. And then we went in our journey with the Lord. We got down in the valley. And you're going to go in the valley. And then, but over here is another mountain. But what our problem is, we leave this mountain, try to get this mountain, and we, all we see is doom, gloom, destruction, agony, problems, misery, because I'm just going through this valley right now. We've, we've got a better, more modern term for that nowadays. It's we're going through a season. You, you heard that? 
You're just going through a season. I'm just going through a season and things just don't look good. Well, listen, if you're going through it, do it. Go through it. Don't live in it for the next 15, 20 years, okay? You don't have to go in through it. And I believe this, that if we'll go through the valley with a mountaintop attitude, that valley won't be so bad, and folks, we'll get to that next mountain quicker. Don't you believe that? Well, give the Lord a hand clap. One of David's most famous psalms is Psalms 18. It was written not long after his son Absalom had rose up against him, going to overthrow him, and his son Absalom was killed in the wilderness pursuing his father to kill him. But you go back and you read Psalms 18, and it talks about how that, that God is his rock, God is his strength, God is his help. And he wrote that, writ that, wrote that just right after Absalom had died. <clears throat> now, David wasn't a perfect guy. We all know that, don't we? His good guy. The Bible classified him a man after God's own heart, but he wasn't perfect. And David didn't only have faults, but he had craters in his life. See, a fault's a little little break in the ground. David had craters. He had a he had a I mean, Grand Canyon situation come up in his life. It wasn't just a little fault. And we've talked about that. We've talked about the situation with Bathsheba. We've talked about the lying that he did to cover it up. The murder that he had committed to cover that up. But there's one thing about David. Regardless of how big the chasm was. I get that right, Hallie? Chasm. Regardless of how big that thing got, David was a man of repentance. He is willing to repent. You know, you know the thing that separated David and Saul so much? Saul would mess up in his pride and arrogance. He'd go on and he'd want somebody else to pray for him. God said, I've had enough of that. I'm discarding you as king. You're not going to be over my kingdom any longer. I'll raise me up a man after my own heart. A man that when he misses it, he'll come to me himself. And when David was confronted with this by Nathan the prophet, when that long finger of God through Nathan the prophet pointed at David and said, You're the man. You're the man. David began to cry out to God. He wrote what we know as Psalms 51. And then that he cried out to God for forgiveness. Lord, I repent. I repent. Cleanse me, Lord. He said, Lord, it's just like it, you're the one I've sinned against. And in essence, it was. He had sinned against Uzziah. He had sinned against Bathsheba. He had sinned against his kingdom. But when it all came right down to it, he had sinned against God. And he said, God, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. Cleanse me and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. And he said, and he prayed another time. He said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. But help me, Lord. And when I come out of this, I'll, treat, I'll teach transgressors their way and, and your way, and, and, and they'll walk in that. But in the middle of all of that, in Psalms 51, verse 15, he said, O Lord, now here's from a repentant heart. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. 
For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You say, what does that mean, preacher? That means this. Folks, when our heart is broken, God sees that. God identifies with that because on the cross, Jesus' heart was broken. That's the reason he said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus' heart was broken on the cross of Calvary. And many times it grieved him when he'd see the, the unbelief of people and the things that were going on, and, and, and his heart was broken. He was a man of grief, despised, rejected. That means he had a broken heart, and he knows what it's like. And we get our hearts broken so many times in so many ways. But let me tell you, when your heart gets broken, don't let it get hard. Don't let it get bitter. Well, I believe what David was calling out here, Lord, I don't want my heart to get hardened to something like this. I don't want to think that anything's all right just because I'm who I am or I'm the king or, or it fits my situation. Or I've got a right, bless God. No. David said, God, open my mouth so I can praise you. My broken and my contrite heart. I want to give thanks and praise to your holy name because that's what you accept. If you'd accept any kind of thing, Lord, uh, you know, some people would rather run a 100-yard dash than to stop for a minute and in their situation and say, Lord, I just want to give you praise. You're the one that can bring me out of this. You're the one that can get me through this. Nobody else can do this, God. I've looked to people. I've looked to, to, to ways and means, even my own self. But Lord, you're the only one that can do it. And in my time of brokenness, help me, Lord. But I want to praise you. I want to worship you. I want to magnify your holy name, Lord. Folks, I'm telling you, when it's good, it's easy to praise God. And we need to be praising Him when it's good. But when it's bad and it's hard and that heart's broken because of a loss, Maybe the loss of a loved one. Maybe the loss of a job. Maybe, maybe the loss of material things in this life. And our heart's broken. Loss of a friendship. Loss of a relationship. And, and our heart's broken. That's not the time to get down and out and depressed. And that happens a lot of times from those broken hearts. That's not the time to get down and out and depressed. But that's the time to look up to Him and say, Father, I'm going to praise You in this situation. In this broken heart, I know you'll accept my praise. I know you'll accept my thanksgiving. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. David said, Lord, when I'm restored, I'll teach transgressors your way. And I'm, David got restored from that. Even after that, God promised David, you'll never fail to have a seed sitting on the throne as king of Israel. Even to the point that Jesus came out of all of that, came down through that lineage. And I'm here to tell you, folks, one day, Jesus is going to come back to this earth. And He's going to sit on the throne of His father David there in Jerusalem. And He's going to rule this whole earth. And one thing that's so good about that, you and I are going to be involved in that with Him. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? One other. One other. Praise God. In Luke chapter 17, In Luke chapter 17 is the story of where Jesus had come in through Samaria and Galilee and He met up ten lepers. 
And I want to begin reading in verse 11. That happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and there as he entered a certain village, there met him ten, ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he said to them, and when he saw them, he said to them, Go your, yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Think about that. Gratitude. The attitude of gratitude. Here's ten men. All got the same thing as far as we know. And you know, I believe that, that nine of these men were Jews. And there was a, two or three reasons here that I'm not trying to read into the Scripture, but just trying to maybe get out of this. They were Jews. This guy was a Samaritan. That means he was a non-Jew. And do you know he could not go to the temple and show himself to the priest? He couldn't do that like the others could. And when he realized this and realized he was healed, he got to thinking, I can't go to the principal or the principal to the to the temple. <laughs> I can't go to the temple. <laughs> I thought I was in school there for a moment. <laughs> I've done so much substituting lately, I thought I was in school. <laughs> I can't go to the temple and to the priest, but I can go back to this man that healed me. That priest didn't do nothing for me. I'm going to tell you what that represents. That was a custom that they had to do if they were cleansed. They had to go show themselves to the priest, make sacrifice and offerings, and the priest would declare them clean. They had to be declared clean by the priest. They had to let religion dictate to them whether they were fitting or not. Jesus don't require that. They didn't have the gratitude that this man... They was looking to some person, some organization, some code, some creed, something along that line that could help them. And folks, I'm going to tell you, all men's organizations, all of men's creeds, all of men's hierarchy cannot do you any good when you have a need. Jesus Christ is the one you can go to. You don't have to worry about any of that kind of thing. You don't... Listen, folks. I have people say, well, what kind of church are y'all over there? And sometimes I get a little offended. What do you mean, what kind of church are we? You know? And they won't know, you Baptist, Methodist, or... No, we're none of that. We're just a church. We love God. We love people. That's all we are, just a group of people that do that, you know? And we're not hung up on what kind of name we have other than the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we look to. And, and there's nothing wrong with all of that other. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. The Baptist church, the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church, the Episcopalian church, the Pentecostal church, none of those churches, that alone has ever got anyone into heaven. It's got to come through Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. And that's what we stand on. 
this man realized, hey, all of these organizations, they've been around all of these years. They've been, well, hadn't they already done something to help me? Hey, now here comes a man that says, you're clean. And all of this left me. And, and I, you think I'm going to go look, talk to a priest? No, I'm going to go talk to the king of kings. And he turned around and he came back. And, and get a hold of this. The Bible says that he, he came back and with a loud voice, he wanted everybody to know, hey, this man did something for me and I'm not ashamed of it. I want everybody to know that he did. I have such a great gratitude for this man that I want everybody to know that he did it. His Attitude of gratitude. Now, I asked in your handout there, I asked this question. What's your GQ? Now, I'm not talking about a magazine. Okay. I thought about that after I put that down. GQ, that's, that's the name of one of the most liberal, ungodly magazines going. You may read it, but I'm sorry. Okay. Sure, $3 it's spent, not mine. I guess they cost $3. I don't know what they cost. That's your gratitude quotient. Your gratitude quotient. And that means, how grateful are you for what he's done for you? You think about it. Well, I don't know that he's ever done that much for me. I've heard people say that. I've done all of this myself. I work hard. I save my money. I live clean. All of this is a result of what I've done. Okay. Let me tell you, everything that you have done, is going to decay, disintegrate, be burned up, and be gone away with. One day that automobile you drive that you're so proud of is not going to be nothing but an automobile because you're not going to be here to drive it any longer. One day that house that we're so proud of is going to burn up and be gone. If it, and if time goes on long enough, it'll just decay. What I'm telling you is this, folks. Everything that we can do. I, I know a young man right now that had a job making thousands of dollars a month. Seemed like he was set. Everything going good. And all of a, all of a sudden, his company said, we're downsizing, you're fired. All that we can do is nothing. But all that he can do is everything, folks. It's what life is about. If we look to that, are we thankful for that? Thank you, Lord, for the... Birds that sing. Thank you for the flowers in spring. Thank you, Lord, for the... I don't. I, I was trying to think of that little thing that we teach children, you know. Thank you, Lord, for the bees. And, and thank you for all of these things. And thank you, Lord, for everything. Why? Because everything that you and I enjoy that's worth anything at all, He's responsible for it. The air we breathe. The rain that we've had. He's responsible for, for, the, for the things that we just take so for granted, you know, like, like your eyesight, your hearing. We just take it for granted until it's not there no more. I know folks like me and Ron and Brother Wayne and Bill, let's see, yeah, Roger, us, us older guys, we'd love to have the hearing that we had whenever we were some of you's age, wouldn't we, Ron? <laughs> I'm glad y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> I wish I had them. <laughs> eyesight. Eyesight. You know, I, I used to 
I used to think, man, wearing glasses would be cool. I, used, I did. Whenever I was young, I thought, man, wearing glasses would just be so cool. Just, I mean, these boy, folks that wear glasses just look intelligent. They just look smart. <laughs> and I got to where I had to wear glasses. You know, I got smarter. I did because I come to realize I wished I didn't have to wear glasses. We take things so for granted. And you know, I'm going to tell you this. We, in America, we take so much for granted. Because we live here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I would meant to do this earlier, but I want you to know, you veterans, you men that are veterans, I applaud you. I, I want every veteran to stand up right now. Come on, you veterans. Come on. You've been in the military. Come on, stand up. I want you to stand up. Come on, J.J. you one of them. You forgot, didn't you? Was Did you forget or you just wanted to forget? <laughs> but, I mean, you, you look at these guys. And, and I tell you, y'all are heroes to me as far as I'm concerned. Because y'all stood at a point in time to help make this nation secure as it is now. You say, well, I never did go overseas. You didn't, you didn't have to. We just counted in the number. Sometimes numbers help make things more secure. And I appreciate you. Thank God for you. And I know uh, Brother Wayne, Brother Bill, and Roger, Vietnam era guys. And I, I want you to know, folks, that, that my heart goes out every time I see a Vietnam veteran. If, I, if he just got it on his window, if he's got it on the cap or whatever, I make a special effort to go let them know how much I thank them and appreciate them. And I thank you guys. You may not be a Vietnam veteran, but you're a veteran. You went, you served, you may not have wanted to, but you did, and you came back. And I thank God for you. I really do. On this day, we thank God for your service. Amen? Come on, let's do it again, folks. You know, I think about that caravan that's coming up through Mexico. I'm not for them just crashing the border and coming on in. I I don't think that we need to tell people they can't come to America, but there's a way to do it and wait for it to be done right, not just to come in and bully and to take advantage and all of that kind of thing. And like in Florida, they found ballots that was cast by people that wasn't even citizens of the United States. That kind of thing, I, I, I just... But I'm going to tell you something there. Let me say this. If the shoe was reversed, if Mexico, Central America, South America were the prosperous nations, I don't know but what I wouldn't try to be getting in there. Now, why I'm saying that is this. We take this for granted that we got. And you and I need to be thankful to God for what we have and pray and pray for it to be preserved till the very last end and not not go the way that so many people are, are going with this thing, folks. The, the only thing that's keeping America from becoming a purely socialistic nation is not the Republicans and it's not the Democrats, but it's the Christians that's praying for this nation on a daily basis and thanking God for what we have. We're in that number. I don't care what political party that we may favor. Unless we are a praying people, 
this nation's going to go down. And we'll just let it, we'll just take it for granted. Well, somebody will do something about it. No, those folks up there are not going to do anything about it. But that guy in heaven can. Amen? Hallelujah. We're quick to pray. Quick to pray. Oh, God, help me. But slow to praise. This guy that turned back, I don't know but what maybe had Psalms 103 in his mind. I'm about through. I know for some of you I may have already finished, but bear with me. (laughs) Psalms 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Allow. Who, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm wondering if this man had that thought in mind. But whether he did or not, you and I need to have that thing in mind. That kind of thought. Listen, folks, we are God's people, that chosen generation of priesthood. And our prayer to be every day in thanksgiving to Him. Psalms 107, four times. In Psalms 107, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. That's Psalms 107, verse 8. Psalms 107, verse 15, the same thing. Psalms 107, verse 21, the same thing. Psalms 107, verse 31. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. We've got to be a people of thanksgiving. Not just turkey day, but every day. Thanksgiving. What do you have to be thankful for today? Think about it. Maybe some things that you've taken for granted. Maybe some things that you have not uh, really tapped into the Lord yet. Maybe you're in a midnight kind of hour. Maybe you're going through some times and circumstances. But folks, if we'll begin to praise the Lord, what's the song that we used to sing, Bradley? I praise you in this storm. It says, I would have thought by now, Lord, that you'd have done showed up and the storm would have been still. It'd been stopped, but you hadn't. But I'm going to praise you in the storm. Praise you in the storm. We know the results of that. And when we praise Him in the storm, either the storm's going to stop or we're going to stop. The storm's going to be still in me or it's going to be still around me. Praise Him. Father, we magnify You just now. 